take your copy of the scriptures and turn to 1 John chapter 5. 1 John chapter 5. As we have been studying 1 John, we have discovered how we are to walk and how we are to progress in our Christian lives. And John has challenged us to be the kind of people that reflect Jesus Christ from our lives. I am so thankful for family. God has privileged Connie and me to be part of five different church families. And we so appreciate the way people have invited us into their lives and made us part of their individual families. But I am so thankful for my family. The kids that God has given to me and the way that God has worked in their lives to develop Christian maturity. Each of them is is serving the Lord and, and that's so wonderful. And each of them is passing on the baton to the next generation And I am so thankful for that. Yesterday afternoon, I I got home from being in the office for several hours, and there were cars in my driveway. And they had come over, and we just had had a great time together. John has written an epistle to family. He has addressed his audience as little children, beloved And twice in the epistle, he identifies them as children of God. And as we move into chapter 5, he wraps his epistle by reminding his children of truth and how they need to walk in the truth. I'm going to ask Randy Carey to come to the platform and read for us 1 John chapter 5. And as he reads it, I want you to note, please, the seven different appearances of the word know. John said, we know. You need to know. And that will help you identify the reminders that John gives to us in 1 John chapter 5. Randy? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God, when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God, that we keep his commandments. And his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is he who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ, not by the water only, but by the water and the blood. And the Spirit is the one who testifies, because the Spirit is the truth. For there are three that testify, the Spirit and the water and the blood, and these three agree. If we receive the testimony of men, the testimony of God is greater, for this is the testimony of God that he has borne concerning his son. Whoever believes in the Son of God has the testimony in himself. Whoever does not believe God has made him a liar because he has not believed in the testimony that God has borne concerning his son. And this is the testimony that God gave us eternal life and this life is in his son. 
Whoever has the Son has life. Whoever does not have the Son of God does not have life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God, that you may know that you have eternal life. And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. If anyone sees his brother committing a sin not leading to death, he shall ask, and God will give him life to those who commit sins that do not lead to death. There is sin that leads to death. I do not say that one should pray for that. All wrongdoing is sin, but there is sin that does not lead to death. We know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning, but he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. We know that we are from God, and the whole world lies in the power of the evil one. And we know that the Son of God has come and has given us understanding, so that we may know him who is true, and we are in him who is true, in his Son, Jesus Christ. He is the true God and eternal life. Little children, keep yourselves from idols. May God add his blessing to the reading of his word as we take it and apply it to our hearts and live it out through our lives. John shares with his readers six steps that they need to take in their Christian lives. And I want to remind you of those steps this morning. The first step is that he wants his readers to remain authentic. We live in a plastic kind of world. I'll let you sort out fake news, but it is true that there are people on both sides of the news and you can't even determine what is real most of the time. Yesterday when our kids came, Connie brought up from downstairs a McDonald's playset. And our little four-year-old, Avery, took some time to, to play with it. And one of the things in that playset is some plastic fruit. Now, what Avery likes to do is she likes to bring this over to her Mimi and G-Daddy, and we have a little picnic together. And I eat the plastic fruit, figuratively, and I give it back to her, and she goes back, and she messes with the, the McDonald's playset and brings me a hamburger or french fries or whatever else I'm, I'm looking for in my life. We, we laugh at that, and it's, and it's fun to play. But may I remind you that if we're going to be real, it's not a game? If you and I are going to be authentic, we must understand what it means to be authentic. And the first four verses of chapter 5 remind us of what authenticity is. Look up here on the screen, will you please? Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. And everyone who loves the Father loves whoever has been born of him. By this we know that we love the children of God when we love God and obey his commandments. For this is the love of God that we keep his commandments and his commandments are not burdensome. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world and this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is it that overcomes the world except the one who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? 
Now, there are some tests that John gives to us so that we can know whether or not we are real. The first test is this. Do we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah, the anointed one, the, God, the one that God said as incarnate to come and be the Savior of the world? Do you believe that this morning? It's so important that we begin there because our real relationship with God is based upon the fact that his son came to be the savior of the world. There's a second truth, and that's this. Do we love the Father? The Bible says that we are to love the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind. And if we do that, then our love for God drives everything else in our lives. Do we love brothers and sisters in in Christ? At least four times in 1 John. John reminds us that if we we don't love brothers and sisters in Christ, the love of the Father is not in us. In fact, in chapter 4, he says, how can you not love someone you have seen and still love someone, God, whom you've not seen? And so we need to take a test. What is our relationship with those that we discover are part of the family of God? Do we keep his commandments? Do we obey what he tells us to do? Connie has these code questions she asks me. She will try a new recipe and she will say, Tom, is that a keeper? She doesn't ask me if I like it or don't like it. She just asks if we should keep the recipe. That's code. Another code that she has for me is she says, Tom, will you do me a favor? Now, I have learned that when she asks that code, I really don't have a choice in the decision I'm going to make. And the reason is because she is going to ask me to do something that will help her out. And I will show my love for her as I do what she asks me to do. Our text says that we keep his commandments and that his commandments aren't burdensome. They're not grievous. They're not unreasonable. God will never ask you to do something in your life that is unreasonable. God will never ask you to do something in your life that he's not given you the ability to do. And so one of the tests about our authenticity is do we obey his commandments, recognizing that it is all intended to make our lives better. I've already mentioned about the brothers, do we overcome the world? John has said that we are not to love the world. Because if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. But do we have victory over the world? And John identifies that victory as faith. Do you have enough confidence in what God wants you to do to understand that if you'll do that, everything else is going to be okay? You see, living as a Christian really doesn't have much risk to it. Because we please God and and that's what matters. It really doesn't matter what the world thinks about us, does it? 
Jesus said the world's going to hate you. They do. Jesus said in this world we're going to have tribulation. We do. But greater is he who is in us than he who is in the world. And God has given us everything necessary that we need for life and godliness. And even though we wrestle, not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this world and spiritual high places, God has given to us his armor. He's given us truth. He's given us righteousness. He's given us the sword of the Spirit. He's given us the helmet of salvation. He's given us the gospel of peace. We have everything we need to overcome the world. And then John wraps this by saying authentic people believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his Son into the world, his only Son, to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Do you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? You see, I want to remind you to remain authentic in your Christian life. Now, if you were to ask Connie, Connie would tell you that I am a model husband. Now, I don't know how you identify model, but some people identify model as a cheap, a cheap illustration of the real thing. Are you a model Christian? And if you are, how do you identify that truth in your life? Let me remind you to be encouraged because you have eternal life. We read in 1 John chapter 5, verse 13, I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. Isn't it great to be part of God's family? Isn't it wonderful to know that one day we will absence this body and be present with our Lord? Now, we all understand that we were born to die. The Bible says, it's pointed unto man once to die and after that the judgment. And that condemnation affects every boy, girl, man, woman, individual on the face of the earth. But I want you to know this morning that we were born again to live. And I am so thankful that God has given to us eternal life. Jesus said in John chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes unto the Father but by me. Peter preached in Acts chapter 4, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. And how does that take place in our life? Romans chapter 10 tells us that if we will confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in our hearts that God hath raised him from the dead, we will be saved. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Do you know this morning that you have eternal life? Are you confident? Do you know that? Are you confident in that truth? Billy Graham lived to be almost 100 years old. 
He was born in November of 1919, and he died in February of 2019. He said this, one day you may hear that I am dead. Don't you believe it? I will be more alive than I have ever been. Be encouraged. You have eternal life. Let me remind you to have a ministry of prayer. John reminds his readers of the importance of prayer in their lives. 14 and 15 says, and this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we desire of him. Aren't you thankful for prayer? Connie and I remember very well walking into this building for the first time in November of 2010. We were here for a counseling appointment over at Alongside Ministry, and we are also here to meet with a couple of our church leaders, Steve Carey and Larry Allen. And so we decided we'd come by the church and just kind of see what it was like. Connie Carey, our church secretary at the time, met us at the door, and we just had a delightful time, and and Connie was a good ambassador for us. As we turned to leave, we noted that above the door, there was this question. Have you prayed for your new pastor today? Prayer has always been an important part of the ministry of Calvary Baptist Church. And I am thankful for that. It's part of our mission statement that we are dependent upon God through prayer. And let me remind you to continue to have a ministry of prayer. Now, I am thankful that when we can't stand life anymore, we can always kneel. And we can commit our way unto the Lord and trust in him and see what he's going to do. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And lean not under your own understanding, even when you don't get it. And I don't get it a lot of the time. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. Now, the text says that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Pastor Spencer has said on a number of occasions, if you don't know what to do, ask the one who does. And I'm thankful that even when I don't know what to do, The Spirit who indwells me makes intercession for me with groanings that cannot be uttered, and He always does that according to the will of God, Romans chapter 8. You see, prayer does not change God's will, it changes our hearts. And if my heart reflects God's heart, it's going to be okay. And if I know he hears me, whatever I ask, I know that I have the petitions that I desire of him. What do you want God to do in your life? How do you want God to challenge you, change you, conform you to the character of his son? 
That's his will. And whatever we ask, our Heavenly Father will give it to us. Somebody said seven days without prayer makes one week. That's W-E-A-K. And you and I need to understand the necessity of being the kind of people that pray. Let me remind you that we are insured of victory. Victory is ours. Again, 1 John chapter 5 tells us, we know that everyone who has been born of God does not keep on sinning. But he who was born of God protects him, and the evil one does not touch him. Now, it starts by saying, those who are born of God don't keep on sinning. Sin is missing God's mark. Sin is a violation, a transgression of God's law. The Bible says, for he that knows to do right and doesn't do it, to him it's sin. You know, we live in an insane world. We, we live in a world that is striving for completeness, for happiness, for joy, for, for something that will satisfy them. But the reason they're insane is because they keep on doing the same thing over and over again and expect different results. Sin, a violation of God's commandment, brings nothing but destruction in our lives. Now, it is true that the Bible says that there is pleasure in sin for a season. But may I remind you, payday someday. And so, you and I need to recognize that even though we have sin, and the Bible says if we say we have not sinned, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. But to recognize if we confess our sins, that is, see our lives as God sees them. He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And folks, it doesn't get any better than that. And the text says that the evil one, Satan who is a father of lies, Satan who is our adversary, Satan who schemes to deceive us, won't touch us. And I remind you that no matter what's going on, you can have real victory because God has given to us everything that is necessary so that we might know greater is he who is in us than he that is in the world. And may I just say, it's not the devil made me do it. Keep your eyes on the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, defies the same, and is now seated at the right hand of Christ. And as we do that, we will run with endurance this race. And we will lay aside the, the weight and the sin that so easily entangles us. Because... Seeing Jesus makes all the difference in our lives. Let me remind you that you have new life in Christ. 
Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things are passed away. All things are become new. As I have done marital counseling over the years, one of the things that I have repeated to every couple that wanted to be united in marriage is this. Marriage is not meant to be a reformatory. Now, a lot of young couples don't get that. And love is blind, but it's amazing how I do opens your eyes. A lot of couples will go into it and say, you know, that's okay. I'll put up with it for now and they'll, get, they'll change it. Yeah, they'll change. You know, as a new creature in Christ Jesus, the truth is it's not a rehab it's a relationship. The truth is, it's not turning over a new leaf. It's living a new life. And our text tells us that as we know that we are from God, it makes all the difference because it's contrasted with the world. Jesus said, in the world you're going to have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I remind you that you and I are to be different from this world. Because we have been given new life in Jesus Christ. Now, the text says that the whole world lies under the control of the evil one. And that's true. Satan is the prince of the power of the air that works disobedience in the children of unrighteousness. In Revelation, Satan tells us that the scripture tells us that the one who is called the devil is the one who deceives the whole world. And Peter says, be sober, be alert, be vigilant, because you have an adversary, and his name is the devil, and he walks around like a roaring lion, seeking to chew you up and spit you out in little bitty pieces. That was a Townsend translation. But I remind you that you and I have a new life in Christ and there's nothing better. I remember when Connie and I got married. It was a Sunday afternoon at 3 o'clock on May 20th, 1973. And I had no clue how my life would change. For the better. I married up. Big time. I added to my life more than I'd ever deserved. And the things that this lady has brought to me have been such a blessing of love and grace in my life. God brings those things into our lives tenfold. Now, I can't imagine having a ten times better marriage than we have, Connie, even if I am a model husband. <laughs> Cheap illustration of the real thing. But you can't imagine living any other life than being a new creature in Christ Jesus.
Amen? One more, please. Let me challenge you to be discerning. Verses, verse 20 tells us, and we know that the Son of God has come and given us understanding so that we may know who is true, and we are in him who is true. In his Son, Jesus Christ, he is true. He is a true God and eternal life. We know that God has given to us an understanding. God has given to us his spirit to guide and direct us into all truth. And when you don't get it, listen to the applied truth of the spirit of God in your life and live it out. That's discernment. Because we are going to be confronted with all kinds of things in our lives. But you and I live according to the truth. We live according to the truth of God. We live according to the truth of Jesus Christ. And we know that's truth. Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free. And it is that freedom that we have in Christ Understanding that in him is life. Be discerning. John loved those to whom he was writing. He wanted them to know how they were to walk. How they were to live their lives in a world that's tough. And he reminds them in chapter 5 to be authentic. He reminds them to be encouraged. We have eternal life. Have a ministry of, of prayer. We have victory. Understand that we have new life in Christ and, and be discerning. Make good choices based on truth. And then John ends this gospel very simply, this epistle. He says, my little children, my beloved, keep yourselves from idols. Best behavior. I am thankful for the kids God has given to us. And we had a practice every time we went and visited someone. Before we got out of the car and started the next step in that journey, we would turn around and say to our kids, best behavior. Josh didn't listen too well. <laughs> and so I leave you with that. My little children, my beloved, don't let anything come between you and your relationship with God. Be on your best behavior.